0: Fall is finally here and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family. And stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out, hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only.
1: Alright, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Friday. It's February 8th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are in post-trade deadline NBA uh, season. We're going to try to break down some of the trades that happened yesterday. There was a flurry of them. There's a a lot of deadness for a couple hours and then there was a flurry in like the last two hours. We'll try to make a little bit of sense of those things. Uh, We'll try to go through game by game, uh, you know, talking about where teams are sort of landing. There's a lot to discuss. With this, uh, with this slate, and then maybe just slates going forward with how some of these new teams are maybe just gonna outfit themselves with minutes and whatnot. But, buddy, in the in just looking back, we don't we're not gonna dissect the entire trade deadline, and a lot of these actually a lot of the stuff we are just gonna when we go team by team we'll, we'll we'll touch on. But thoughts on the top three teams in the East outside of Boston, the three of the four teams in the East made what I would call significant trades at the deadline. Harris, the, the Sixers get Harris, the uh, Bucks get Mirodich, and the uh, Raptors get Gasol, Mark Gasol. Of those three trades, do you have a a feeling about which one sort of – like which team won? Is it all kind of equal? It was definitely like an arms race near the end for these three teams. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense of like which team maybe just improved their chances of one coming out of the East? And maybe do you see them even be able to contend with the Warriors at this point? Any of those trades kind of ring out to you um, that happened yesterday? I guess the Harris thing happened two days ago, but whatever. Sure, sure.
2: So I think the interesting way to evaluate it is basically, you know, the value over replacement you're getting. So, you know, as we look at our DFS – system every single night we're trying to allocate minutes on a per minute basis and i think you know the way this would kind of manifest for or the way we would break this down is we would say okay so gasol goes to the raptors right and he's going to play i don't know 33 minutes a game probably something like that for them whose minutes is he taking away and i think when you look at a team and and so i would go you know team by team and really try to figure out who's adding the most versus the minutes that they're going to take away from it's funny because I think a year ago I would have looked at that Gasol to the Raptors deal and been like, wow, this is like you're upgrading over just actual stone-cold bums that basically couldn't see the court to a guy who's been an all-defensive player of the year type caliber player. And, uh, you know, the Raptors have had a huge weakness defensively in the front court in the past as well with Valanciunas and, uh, you know, again, the other mishmash of guys that have kind of come through there. I think with the emergence of Siakam and Toronto's ability to play this like, you know, Kind of not quite play a center, you know, almost in a golden statey sort of fashion, or, you know, play a token center for a few minutes when the other guys, team's biggest guys were out there. I think that it's, and it's been working for them so well. I mean, they're 40 and 16 this year, the second to the Bucks in terms of win percentage and point differential. Oh, I'm taking it back. Boston actually edge past them in point differential. I still think it's a huge upgrade for them. I think Gasol's the best player among those ones that you named. So it's hard for them to have not. Improved pretty dramatically there. I just I'm not exactly sure how it all fits together because they can't play all three of those guys at the same time, right? Like Siakam. Nah, and- my guess
1: is my guess is that what's going to happen is one, I think he was brought in specifically to upgrade in matchups like Embiid, matchups like Boogie Cousins, like those kind of teams. And I think what you're going to see because if we go back earlier in the season, they they were fine sort of doing this. Depending on the night, Jonas starts one night, Serge starts the next night. Depending on what they thought that was the best matchup, right? I wouldn't be shocked if they started to go back to something like that, like mostly Ibaka starts, and when they play the Sixers, and be Gasol starts or something like that, right? Or like when they play, I, I, my, so that's why I don't think the thirty-three minute. I think like I think you're gonna see like. Mid twenties minutes out of Gasol, something like that. I think it's gonna be a really interesting needle to thread <laughs> because, um, right. especially if like a rookie coach, because there are some there are gonna be some egos involved in this because the Raptors, like you said, have been awesome up to this point, and sure. it's like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why? But I think this move was specifically for those games. So I think I think that'll be interesting. It wouldn't shock me if Gasol didn't start at all um, or outside of just these, you know, very specific matchups. Or I would in, be pretty in, surprised in
2: if, if the plan wasn't to start Gasol. And I guess that's my problem. It's like. He's such a damn good like he say what you want. The oh, field yeah, goal good. percentage has dropped off. The guy can still stretch it out to three now, which is a lot of why the field goal percentage has dropped off. A great defensive player, especially against post up centers. It's just odd. It, it would be odd for me to acquire Gasol. Now, they didn't really pay anything, so it's not like it's not like there was this huge opportunity cost. And even if they are like, well, hey, twenty five minutes out of Marcus Gasol still improves us. I don't know. It's a it's a weird one. I, I still think I'll still maintain that Gasol will be. A very very important piece for them come playoff time, uh, and then as you go down the list, you get you go over to the, uh, the Sixers. See, I think Tobias Harris. Well, yeah, it's hard. Just from a basketball perspective, do you th- would you take Marodich or Harris just for like one season if you were pushing Harris. for the playoff race? So you take Harris. Harris,
1: not not close, yeah,
2: not close. Okay, see,
1: I, not close to me. Yeah,
2: okay, fair enough. So I think Harris the minutes he's upgrading for philly and important to note too philly also adds jonathan simmons who well who hasn't had a great year this year has had some pretty effective seasons in the past i mean this is a guy who shot 47 percent for orlando last season and if they can Mm -hmm. get him to do the things he does well and just play off the bench and you know kind of just keep him out of his own way basically like in orlando this season he's been just very very bad but i think a lot of that's been how they've been using him I think Philly has improved. Like, the, the minutes that Philly's replacing, to me, seem to be the worst minutes of this whole group, right? So, like, again, the Miro just right. fit in Milwaukee. Like, I don't know. I, I, again, I just don't know whose minutes he's going to take. So, I don't know how much I can bench, really I like think, that deal. Like-
1: yeah, he'll come off the bench and just be like a, spa- a you know a spacing shooter, which is great for Giannis. Like he's a really good pop, uh, you know, just um, catch and shoot kind of guy, and that's like that's just perfect for the Bucks. Um, I think like and I think I definitely agree with you. I think the Gasol thing is the biggest needle mover. The Harris thing is very good, it presents some interesting issues for the for the Sixers, and also just makes them like super long, really good on defense. Like they're huge across their starting lineup now. Yeah, like it's they crazy. are there's like six nine and above for four of the five positions um and like six (laughs) nine and athletic like not not like six like you know not like six nine dragon plodding around Mm -hmm. no yeah no not like that like it's like they're huge and athletic um so yeah i think it's gonna be really interesting to see it see it shake out and like i said we'll go through some of these other trades as we go um all these teams just had to make the celtics the 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 top four in the east I, i would say almost at this point it's interesting i think we're like there's been such a giant like tectonic shift in talent because now I'd say the warriors are the top team in the in basketball I don't think it's that's not in debate. And then you can make a case and it might not be that strong that like the east has four of the next five best teams or something like that. Like depending on where you want to rank the nuggets and the and the thunder or something like that. Like I I think that these four teams are so good now that yeah. It, 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 and then it, and there's really a disparity between the East, the top of the East and the bottom of the East. Like the first round, of the, the first round of the playoffs in the East is going to be so boring. It's gonna be four sweeps, probably. Like I can't see it happening any other way. And then after I'll take though, the under on four then, sweeps if we want to bet. <laughs> I, think. I mean, whatever things happen, but like <laughs> you know, they, they're going to be overwhelming favorites for those four teams. Sure. Unlike the West, where it might be a little closer. You know, the difference between the three and the seven seed or something like that. Um, I think there's going to be such a big spread, and then but then the next round is going to be awesome. All right, let's get into some of today's games. And like I said, we're going to kind of break down some of this other trade movement as we go through some of these teams that have less important from a basketball, you know, going for the championship standpoint, but definitely have some DFS implications. First game is Cleveland and Washington. Washington, man, this is amazing. The Wizards open as 10-point favorites. Like, the Wizards are are tanking, and they're 10-point favorites against Cleveland. Cleveland is so bad at this point they shipped off alec burks they um who else did they trade i forget who else they they, they shipped off somebody else they are going to maybe get kevin love back today i can't imagine he plays anything more than like 15 minutes he hasn't played in a, in a great while here and the, the, they've started like like oh, what's his name dang D- D- nadell or uh, dang nadell like they're starting some weird <laughs> some very weird guys 10.00 dogs to the Wiz. and then the Wiz traded away otto porter uh for jabari parker and bobby portis i'm un- it's unclear if those guys are going to make their debut Tonight, okay, so that, I think that sums up the movement from both. The, they also <laughs> shipped off Marquise Morris to the, to the Pelicans, who then released him, but he really wasn't playing anyway. Let's talk about where we land on Washington. One, how much do we just need this AC their starting lineup and know the Portis and Jabari Parker thing for the Wizards? And I actually wrote up Colin Sexton, who I want to talk about for the for the Cavs. Uh, thoughts on this game, just from a, like a high level. I don't think how I, I
2: just don't know how you can assess the Wizards without knowing who they're gonna be running out there. Like what yeah. <laughs> whoever gets the start is probably gonna be a good play and the guys that don't you shouldn't play. I don't know. I, I think it's just too early. I think one of the things we need to do this time of year is also just alert people to the games they need to keep an eye on. It's gonna be less of a big deal. I mean if you play DFS seriously, you're there the hour before lineup lock anyway, so theoretically you're there you know whether you're in our premium chat room where you know really good discussions are happening on how these minutes are going to be allocated or you're elsewhere you know reading twitter and engaging in a conversation there uh you just need to be there so thankfully this is a seven o'clock game Uh, as we go through the slate hopefully we'll address some of these other games that have pretty significant outstanding issues as well uh you know like you could just go down the slate here Uh, minnesota new orleans you know just, there's some games later on in the day that we really need to have more information about before. Oh, I was uh, we... I was
1: summing this up in chat yesterday. I was like, seventy five percent of these games because I was like just talking about the day, the next day. I was yeah. like, seventy five percent of these games have major question marks, or we're not situations you wanted to consider anyway, or both. Exactly. <laughs> so, Milwaukee, um,
2: Dallas, uh, you know, at eight thirty, like we could very well not have enough news on that game, like you know, with Barnes leaving and you know, Milwaukee in flux as well. So, anyways, uh, in, in terms of this game, I'm just gonna wait and see. The Colin Sexton play, I think, is like somewhat interesting. Uh, you know, He's just 5,000 right now. He's coming off a game where he played 41 minutes against Boston. It sure seems like he's in line for a 29- to 40-minute rotation. And like with all these bad teams, we're really heading into that time of the season where there's the clear haves and the have-nots. Vegas has identified Cleveland as one of the extreme have-nots because even oh, Washington— yeah. Because Washington's a bad team. Let's be real. They're 22 and 32. This team is garbage. They're 10 point favorites
1: over so Cleveland. That's, I mean. <laughs> like that's... that's what I mean. Like that's. what I mean. Like, like this team is. This team is so bottom of the barrel. Their projected starting lineup right now, with Cleveland's is Sexton, I guess maybe Jordan Clarkson, Deng Nadell, Zizek. <laughs> And David Nwaba. That's their starting lineup. Like those are the those those are being identified. That's projected starting. Lineup. That's, that's the best five, five we can get out there to start. The, I mean, maybe Kevin Love slots in there for 15, 20 minutes or something like that if he, if he actually does end up playing. So I don't man, I don't know. I, I don't mind Sexton only because one, he's a chucker and he he'll just try to get his shots like 17, 24, 17, 13, 10, 13 shots over the last five games. And he also kind of fits the role of he's not going to like really help you win in a way that's going to get in the way of their tanking opportunity. So I think that he and Clarkson actually could play a lot of minutes here. They're very, very short in backcourt depth and they're out of a lot of shots between Burks and Osmond being out of mm. the, the mix. So I actually, from a DFS perspective, their price points don't mind either of those guys. And I think we can just sum up Washington by saying let's wait on some of, the, it's 10 o'clock it's Eastern, let's wait on some of the news to see if Portis and Parker are available to play. If they are not, then I think you're looking at Jeff Green um, you're looking at Trevor Ariza it's getting a lot of minutes, Bradley Beal as well, Sadaransky, Um, but then we're just going to have to kind of, I think we're just going to have to play the wait and see uh, on that one. One that we, a game. the next game at 7 o'clock is one we actually do have a decent amount of information on, and that's the Knicks and the Pistons. Pistons are eight and a half point favorites, and they just played each other. Uh, this is a home and home. So they their last game was on Tuesday, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday. No, I think it was Tuesday we had, our system actually ran out Blake and Drummond in cash games and they were n- nobody played them. I, it's very rare that you go into like something like FanDuel and we had Blake at like 2% and Drummond at 3% ownership on that slate. Right. Uh, which I was kind of shocked and encouraged by because I thought that was this is just a good matchup. Like even with DeAndre Jordan, it's unclear if he adds any d- defensive. He doesn't really add any defensive help. He's big, but he's not been very good. I mean, our system is really calling these two guys out. Again, the Drummond uh, and Griffin both as being just excellent value plays, especially in DraftKings, 8,900 on Griffin, 8,600 on Drummond. Um, could you see one the, them us going back to the well on these two guys? And B, like, do you think their ownership will increase? Like, I get. I was just shocked by it. it. They ended up both paying off, so it ended up it ended up working. But. Um, do you think that our system just seeing something that others aren't? Because that's very low cash ownership for a thing for two guys that we saw just maybe basically 100% plays across the board.
2: Yeah, I do find that interesting. I mean, I think the, the case for them being higher in tonight is that it's the exact same matchup. And I think people tend yeah. to be able to pick up on that, you know, when they see uh, two guys be effective plays and then get a back-to-back matchup. I will say, I mean, they paid off, but they certainly needed every minute of the 38 for Blake and the, was it 41, or 36, I'm sorry, for Drummond. Uh, so you know i I see them as solid plays i don't think that you like necessarily need to race out there and make sure you absolutely have them in your lineups on a big slate like tonight but i think they will bring you a level of security on a pretty pretty wild night for you know in terms of outstanding news and stuff the pistons are not a team that have moved anyone around and this is a seven o'clock game and particularly for a guy like blake at nine thousand at a pretty bad position i could certainly see very reasonable cash game ownership for him tonight
1: I think, like I said, I'm much more encouraged on the DraftKings price where they're both sub 9,000. I think that's, uh, you're not taking on much risk there. Uh, Reggie Jackson has actually had his minutes stabilize some in the short term that Ish Smith did set out last game, but they've been more comfortable playing him bigger minutes. He's only 5,600 on DraftKings. And I think the one other spot we're gonna need to look for is that they did trade Reggie Bullock and Stanley Johnson. So there are shooting guard slash small forward minutes open there, and I just not exactly sure who they're going to go to. I It could be Luke Kennard. I think if Luke Kennard got the start, uh, that would be an interesting punt play for me because that, that position has seen three point attempts. Like Bullock was getting a decent amount of three point attempts in the, in that system, kind of running off Blake high screens. And then um, Langston Galloway is another guy that's at times slotted in there. So we'll kind of have to wait and see on um, who Detroit ends up starting there. But there is going to be uh, some movement there. And then the Knicks. The other guy that our system really liked in that last game was Dennis Smith Jr. It uh, was coming very cheap, and he went completely yeah. off. I, he, had, he had gotten into the foul trouble in his first game as a Nick, and then had no such problems in the second game against the Detroit defense. And they played him a lot of minutes, too, as they're maybe like shiny new toy. Took 25 shots. This is a guy that's not shy about shooting. And I'm wondering if we can st- – it's so hard to trust the Knicks. And can we trust the Knicks with like these kind of high minutes on this guy um, going forward as a team that probably does still want to tank? Made a little bit harder by a guy who actually like is at least NBA you know caliber and is, will take a lot of shots. Thoughts on Dennis <laughs> Smith? The, pr- the price did come up a little bit. I mean, it's, so Smith is
2: NBA caliber, but he's still pretty young and still pretty raw and still pretty inefficient. I mean, getting right. 25 shots in the air at a 44 percent field goal percentage, uh, which goes you know a two for nine from three. Like I think opposing teams can live with that, and I think that you if, if opposing teams want to give. And this was against again in the exact same matchup. I think Detroit was fine with the 25 shots that Smith got up in the oh, air. Yeah. Uh, and if the Knicks want to lose, then I don't see them wringing their hands about it too much either. Uh, I think Smith is a solid play. I guess the weird thing for me about Smith is, and it, you'll never know because organizations handle these things so differently. In Dallas, like he's like kind of beat up. He's having trouble staying on the court. You know, he's he's young, so you probably want to manage him if he's like a piece you want to build around in the future. Not in the Knicks land, baby. They're saying, 40 minutes, bud. Get in there. Do your best. (laughs) Max effort the whole time. We can't worry about this kind of stuff too much. We're the Knicks after all. So, yeah, I think Smith, you know, one of the concepts that I've been, you know, really kind of fleshing out this season a little bit more is, like, how much production each team can support from each position. And this has been a really uh, useful concept for teams, you know, like the Timberwolves who had their point guard carousel. Uh, And the Knicks, you know, it's been somewhat of a useful framework there as well, like a power forward with the kind of interchangeable pieces of Vonley, Knox, and so forth. The Knicks have been able to support high-scoring guards in the past with guys like Trey Burke and, uh, oh geez, I'm blanking on the other guy who got... Moudier. Moudier, right? Manuel Moudier. And Moudier put up big points in this spot too. I think this position can be like a $7,000 position for them, so I would be fine just trotting him out here again.
1: Yeah, and they're underdogs. I mean, Detroit's eight and a half point uh, favorites here at home. Uh, and I, if the plan is just to run Smith out there and see what they have, then I think 35 to 36 minutes is reasonable to project him at. And it's also the Knicks, so you kind of need to tread lightly. All right, 730. Oh, no, excuse me. One more 7 o'clock game. Denver goes in and takes on the Sixers. New look Sixers here, obviously, like we talked about with Tobias Harris. Um, different slightly probably different bench structure going forward I'm not sure how much that's going to matter but they're going to be they're going to be running out their new starting lineup here tonight with Tobias and then Denver we're waiting on injury news on uh Paul Millsap and I think that was it I I think that Jamal Murray yeah Jamal Murray played last game obviously uh Gary Harris I believe has already been ruled out I am struggling a little bit to see it here from a fantasy perspective I'm definitely probably taking a wait and see approach on the Sixers I, you know one thing has shown that the you know the the Sixers have a plan, and the plan is to play is to have Embiid be the guy. Like we saw that very clearly. They brought in Butler, and Butler's usage just dropped off a cliff. And so I don't expect that that to change with a guy like Harris. Like, I think that Harris's fantasy value probably gets dumpstered here, in, even in, in the effort of making the team better. Thoughts on this game? Like, are we just do we need to just take a wait and see approach on Philly? And then, how much do you think that injury news could affect what we want to do with Denver?
2: Yeah, interesting one on Philly is, is Tobias Harris, whose price has shaved off a thousand um, upon moving to Philly it makes perfect sense and Harris in the past has been I think that well it's mostly for me an interesting discussion because I think a lot of people will see that discount and feel intrigued by it just remember that there has been plenty of times in Tobias Harris Tobias Harris's history where he wasn't able to support a price tag north of 7,000 and you know while he's been solid for the Clippers and was shooting a lot of shots for them he hasn't always been that player and it's really really hard for me to believe that on a team with Simmons, Butler, and Embiid, that he's going to be anything more than the fourth option. So I suspect Harris' uh, shots per game will drop down to like 11 or 12, and I am probably not a buyer there. And I also think, unfortunately, he does bring more of an offensive presence than the minutes that he's replacing, and that probably should apply some downward pressure on the prices of those other guys too. And it's a tough matchup with Denver. I don't know. I, I, I would like to see how this all starts shaking out in Philly before I really get too invested, I think.
1: Yeah, I think I'm I'm there too. You're starting to get dared on Ben Simmons's price on DraftKings at 8,400. So if you think he's like 36 to 37 minutes, or, or if like the, the Harris thing opens up opportunity, like spacing wise, I'm not exactly sure how that plays. I mean, out. Simmons has been playing be lo-
2: like 38 to 44 minutes recently, right? So like the minutes have been there for Simmons. Um, yeah, I I would be pretty tempted on that price on DraftKings for sure.
1: Yeah, so I think that one that's going to be a weird one, and then I think we're going to see, depending on what happens with the Paul Millsap news, they have started Mason Plumlee. Not sure if that would be, again, the plan that they wanted to do, running the two bigs with Jokic and Plumlee up against this pretty versatile team, or if you would see Trey Lyles get the start. Um, So I think we're going to need to wait on, we'll have to just wait on the Paul Millsap thing, because I'm not exactly sure. Currently, Embiid, by the way, is questionable. Well, the gastroenteritis, um, which I believe is like a stump what's that, stomach ache? Like, what's, what's gastroenteritis? Is that what that is? I don't know. Um, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't <laughs> I have no idea. What, it's like being a no, little gassy. I think it's what well. A little gassy. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's not like your knee is injured or something like that. It's like your, your, yeah, your no. butt's injured. Okay, so, uh, so he's questionable right now, so we'll kind of have to wait and see how that plays out. And we'll, and we'll just keep an ear out for the Mill seven News to know if we need to make different projections on guys like Lyles or guys like Plumlee or whatnot. All right, moving on. 7.30 games. The Bulls go in and take on Brooklyn, Brooklyn eight and a half point favorites here. The news on the Bulls is they traded away, like we said, Portis and Parker to the Wiz and got back uh, back Otto Porter in exchange. Unclear right now if Porter is supposed to make his debut there tonight. The trade did happen two days ago. Usually that's within the timeline of you've passed your physical, gotten into the team. But again, some sites are projecting him to start and some are not. So is this another one where we just kind of need to wait on what happens with Porter and also... When guys like this, who have been fantasy viable on, in an old scheme before, yeah, know is it just too risky to, to just even consider it on a new team? Because like Porter's a guy we've wanted to play in the past. Brooklyn's not a bad matchup here, and I just like, I wouldn't know what to do if they, I wouldn't. I'd be very uncomfortable probably playing him even if I knew he was starting in this matchup.
2: Yeah, I think that makes sense to me. And I, you know, back to the world where we're also playing DFS and there's these pesky prices involved. It's a very kind yeah. of different conversation for me on DraftKings and FanDuel. First of all, shame on you, FanDuel algorithm guy, for just being no fun at all. Like, why raise Porter's price as he gets traded to Chicago? You just don't want anyone to even be able to guess. Or like, six thousand nine hundred? You'd be insane to play him on FanDuel, in my opinion. Right. Uh, even if you heard that he got the start um, on DraftKings, it's a little more interesting. The the fifty eight hundred dollars price tag is very affordable. Uh, the multi position eligibility, you know, obviously makes him a pretty flexible piece. And Brooklyn's not a bad matchup. So, I think if you hear that he's just a full go. And you've seen how Chicago deploys their players. And again, you see where Porter fits in. I think he fits pretty nicely alongside uh, Levine and Markkinen and those other guys, and Dunn as well. So I think I would probably assume that he's going to play 34, 35 minutes, and I think he'd be a good play on DraftKings as a result. But, but until we see more, I'm not going to accept that
1: level of risk on FanDuel. get it like the Bulls, too. The Bulls are just they're – the, they're this team that just – is he able to, to, I mean, from a DFS perspective, support a lot of high usage guys because they're just like balls in my hands, balls going up. Like that's pretty basically their philosophy. Is they just not a lot of assists going down on the Bulls this year. <laughs> there's just uh, it's like you know, Levine has like I know there's been injury stuff in here, so this is they take this for a little bit for what it's worth. But Levine has a 31% usage rate. Parker had a 25% usage rate coming off the bench, so he was just like he just took it for everything he was worth every time he came in. Portis was another guy. He had a 27 <laughs> usage rate. Market in 24. Yeah. Like these guys, they rates on these guys are all really high and you jettison parker and portis even if they were just still coming off the bench at portis would grab the occasional start that is opening up shots like there are shots available in this offense as we've seen so i, I you know you could see maybe a slight tick up for marketing slight tick up for levine who are already getting a lot of looks so I, that, that one's going to be an interesting thing for me i wouldn't actually mind levine and marketing in, in this matchup if if porter wasn't around because those guys I don't know. They just they can just they can just shoot a lot. And then Brooklyn, they're going to get Karis Levert back, which I can I cannot, I honestly cannot believe this. Like if you saw I, I was watching the game where he got injured, it was like my stomach turned. His foot just bent at a 90 degree angle away from the rest of his leg. It looked like I mean I mean I'm not a doctor, but it looked like I was like, "Oh my god, he's just going to lose his foot." Jesus Christ. The guy's got the guy's coming back. It's 2 months later. I cannot I simply can't believe this. I don't think it matters too much. He's very cheap. He's at 40 he's 4500 on FanDuel. That's he's a good player and I I don't know. I'm excited to see him back at 4500 at 20 minutes he's getting close for us in terms of a like value play. If he started, would you feel what would you feel about Levert here? So it's mostly just the price thing. right? 4500 for a guy who can it was like a 65 <laughs> to $7,000 player when he was fully healthy. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Levert? I'm not really interested in the rest of the in, in the rest of the Nets here, but I'm interested in that price point.
2: It'd be pretty terrifying. Uh like again, just having seen the injury, the fact that he's just missed a- years and years. I it would be just totally irresponsible just to bust him out first game back and give him 35 minutes, right? Like, they can't do that. Well, they never right? did that anyway, right? So, like, yeah, so was like, <laughs> like
0: the 28-29 minutes is usually the maximum. I, most I, and Nets I don't think, are...
2: I, I wouldn't give him 29 minutes. I, I think if he comes back, he plays, like, 15-20 to 20 minutes, whether he's starting or not. And it's more of a, you know, just testing it in game conditions versus, like, hey, he's back. Let's just get in there and just forget about it. So, no, I, I don't want to play Levert, I don't think.
1: My brother-in-law's a big Nets fan. It's like the only Nets fan I really know, and he is? Um, uh, yeah, Adam. He yeah, he like he really really likes the Nets. I, it's it's fun though because actually it's like God. he actually knows a lot about the Nets, and no one else in the world knows of anything about the Nets. Like not like a, not basically you're, you're basically even like lay basketball. My fan. brother-in-law's a, lot, a big but... Nets fan as well. So which one? Kyle, John, Chris. Oh, John, that's right. I'm, I'm getting, yeah, that's right. Those are your actual brothers, not your brother-in-law. Cheese. I'm getting confused about the family designations. Okay, whatever. Moving on. All right. So, um, anyway, we've had a lot of we've been sharing a lot of Net, Nets texts this morning. He was walking me through all the Sean Marks draft picks that he's gotten. So excited about the Nets' future. Let's move into the eight thirty game. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Milwaukee goes in and plays Dallas. The injury here news here. Oh, I'm going to start on the Milwaukee side. The injury news here is that Chris Middleton is going to sit for rest tonight. Um, so the mm-hmm. Milwaukee is eight point favorites. I mean, my guess is they get Tony Snell into in, the starting lineup. My, also, my guess is that Mirodich does not make his debut since that trade happened very late yesterday. Well, and so again, Mirodich, gonna... another guy, he's missed,
2: he hasn't played a game since January 23rd. So part of that could be precautionary to try to trade him, but it's not clear to me that he's just going to bust in there and play 30 minutes
1: a game either. Yeah, I was actually wondering about that. I was wondering how much of that was precautionary with a lot of these guys as they were trying with the Pelicans specifically as they were trying to. They knew these they were going to be active in the trade market, so it makes. And we're going to get to the Pelican situation in a second, which is a total disaster. But um, the uh, yeah. So he. But anyway, I don't. He's not going to play tonight. Where do we stand with Giannis though? Because Giannis, this is mostly with the Bucs, Giannis in particular, and to some degree, Bledsoe and Brogdon. These are the situations where you just kind of get want to get one of their other main players out so you can be feel more confident about the minutes and usage of the rates of the rest of the guys. Our system is calling out Giannis as, I mean, I'd say on FanDuel, I think he's in every single FanDuel lineup, not on DraftKings where you're getting some of these cheaper guys. Would you feel comfortable running him in cash games here? Is, is, are we mostly on Giannis just waiting for situations where Middleton or Bledsoe or one of these other guys is out? That's what our system seems to think is the case tonight.
2: Yeah, sure. And, and you know, we've run Giannis in situations not like that, too. Uh, it's just bears repeating every time. But this isn't the guy who is playing 36, 37 minutes a game anymore. Yep. Uh, the Bucks are just involved in nightly blowouts, and he's the first man off when things are getting out of hand you know he's still managing his own little injury things himself the Bucks are a mortal lock for the playoffs they're the best team in the east by point differential and probably I mean there's a chance they don't get the one seed but right now they're three games ahead of the Raptors in the loss column so even that's hard to imagine so yeah I'm going to be cautious with Giannis but I think if you can free up that Middleton usage, I think he becomes pretty interesting. Uh, and likewise, around him, uh, you know, I think Brogdon and Bledsoe, maybe less so Bledsoe just because the price has come up so much recently uh, based on just what amounts to one week of
1: good games. But um, but certainly, Brogdon, I, I think you can make a case for him as well. Um, and then on the Dallas side, they shipped off Harrison Barnes to the Kings in a trade that brought them back uh, Justin Jackson and. Ugh, someone else. Oh, Zach Zach Randolph's expiring contract, which I think they're just gonna end up buying him out. So I don't think he's that's he hadn't played all, all season long anyway. That would think that was just to make the money work. Um, but Barnes is out now. Barnes was a guy that had played a lot of minutes and was actually getting some usage. And I'm gonna talk about I'm, I'm gonna have, we're gonna talk about Barnes when we get to the Kings as well. But what do we do with the Dallas at this point? Now I'm seeing projected lineups. Some people have Dwight Powell now starting um, with Dorian Finney-Smith. Doncic is actually questionable right now, so I'm not sure where that lands us. Jalen Brunson was a guy I was a little bit worried about when Tim Hardaway Jr. came onto the team, but Brunson still started and played a decent amount of minutes. This team has a lot of question marks, but also a potential, a lot of value. Powell and Kleber are still in the 4,000s, uh, and Dorian Finney-Smith's under their 4,000 as well. Give me some of your thoughts on Dallas. Like, How much can we trust this situation, even knowing we're running into a bad defensive matchup against Milwaukee?
2: Well, yeah, you need to hear more news about how these minutes are going to be allocated before I think you want to run any of them. Uh, and the prices you're listing are on DraftKings, too. I, I think oh, across yeah. the board, these Dallas guys are better priced on DraftKings. On FanDuel, you're not going to pay Dwight Powell for 6000 basically, in any matchup, I don't think, uh, in spite of coming off a really, really good game.
1: What if, yeah. like what if he was starting? Like, what if we was starting? Like, let's say Doi Pal started tonight. Would we give him 29 minutes? They'd never seem to want to do that. But um, would this be a situation if you knew he was in the starting lineup tonight? Would you feel comfortable raising the minutes? Because actually, I think at that point, it would become something of a question at 6,000.
2: It would become a question. It still would not be exciting. I mean, you can just go through and just look at the fantasy points per minute on this guy. He certainly has his moments. There's no doubt about it. But again, moving into the starting lineup, you have to think there would be a slight usage downgrade just because there is for most guys. And recently, it's kind of funny. So like he was, I think like 78% play against Cleveland. He was pretty bad, 14 fantasy points. Then just goes out against Charlotte and puts up a double-double with two blocks and two steals and is one of the plays of the night. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not on as high on Pal as most, just because I've seen how Dallas is willing to use the guy. So, especially at six thousand on FanDuel, I, I don't think I would touch it. I think on DraftKings, if obviously if he were starting, you'd play him at forty four hundred. He might be one of the highest on plays on the slate, regardless. So, um, so yeah, the Mavs just across the board for me. More interesting on DraftKings in such a bad matchup where you're just getting more savings on the prices. And certainly if we get some more starting lineup news, which we may or may not. You know, eight thirty game, no guarantee before a seven o'clock lock. I, uh, yeah, I I just would like some more information, but certainly Barnes being out at the very least should like, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith is another guy who's been flirting with value uh, around a $5,000 price tag. You could see him scooting up to get more minutes. I don't know. I just, I just want more information. That's all. Yeah, this is just this is the old post trade deadline question mark
1: situation yeah, with a and lot and of these teams. You just
2: don't need to force it, you know. It's not like they're going up against Atlanta or something where somebody's just going to put up a huge number. Like they could just lose by forty, and all these guys could be an afterthought, you know. So uh, just I, I'm certainly not going to be forcing it.
1: And like we said, the Doncic thing will—he's questionable right now with a thigh injury, so we'll have to wait on that one as well. That would that would really change the landscape of the slate as well if he was out because that would just be represent a lot of minutes and a lot of usages also. All right, eight o'clock game. Uh, Golden State goes in and plays Phoenix. They are huge favorites. Obviously. That's really not, <laughs> that's not really a surprise. Phoenix is terrible and Golden State is Golden State. Where do we want to set minutes on guys? You know, obviously good matchup against the Suns, but is this is one where we just kind of downward guide all of their minutes because they could just be up by 20 with, I don't know, midway through the third quarter or more, uh, just by by the the kind of the way it shakes out. And then we can talk a little bit about Phoenix, who are, they did bring in Tyler Johnson, who I do want to discuss. But I mean, give me your thoughts on where we set the, the Warriors as 15-point road favorites here against the Suns.
2: Yeah, I think you need to aggressively shift the Warriors minutes down a little bit like on nights like tonight I'll project the Warrior guys the big names for an average of like 32 to 33 minutes and Mm -hmm. yeah good matchup with the Suns but I think the play if you're going to play the Warriors tonight you probably pick a guy for a big tournament that you want to lock into or you can pick players both ways and just hope for the best that it becomes a shootout and uh, you just pick the right Suns and Warriors to pair up but for cash game purposes you just got to
1: understand that you're accepting a lot of risk in your life if you try to target this game What are your thoughts on Tyler Johnson? So Tyler Johnson gets traded to the Suns. He is going to start a point guard for them. And right now, Devin Booker's questionable. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I wrote up Tyler Johnson. I think he's interesting here. Like, he's he's he can play at a faster pace. This is a totally different... This is just a totally different team. Like, this is not your plotting where the minute's going to come from sort of kind of thing that he was on the Heat. This is a... He's just clearly the point guard of a position they've struggled to, you know, Ilya Kobo and De'Anthony Melton yeah. and all these guys have just played, you know, at times have played major minutes for this guy, this team. Now, Johnson just seems like he could be a guy, I almost want him to be very aggressive with this points. I, I just think, and also I don't even want to use, in some ways, use stats from the past on, on a guy like Tyler Johnson. I almost want to make a new projection and I want to, I, I, there's a, he's a guy that I'm interested on maybe being a day early on. Does that make sense? Like, I I think that we could see a shift in Tyler Johnson's just overall fantasy projections going forward on this new team. I don't know. Am I I too crazy to think like that? I rarely think about changing a guy's baseline projection, but this is one I'm really considering.
2: No, I think that makes sense. I mean, especially if Booker were to be out, I think that Johnson's role on Phoenix would be very different than his role was on Miami. Uh, You know, he ran into a lot of just a lot of weird rotations in Miami like sometimes he was the guy sometimes he was just a glorified shooting guard I think in on Phoenix just with the pieces they have around him again especially if Booker were to be out uh, you could see him just getting getting, making the most of that 25 minutes he would be on the court I think if Booker plays he's going to be relegated to a similar role that he had in Miami which was you know sometimes he has the ball but more often he's playing second fiddle and I think we've seen that he doesn't really thrive in that second fiddle role very much because he just doesn't really do a whole lot outside of scoring. So, yeah, keep an eye on it. And could be – I mean, are are you feeling as bullish as it sounds? Like, are you ready to run this guy out there in cash games? Or are you just saying, like – If Booker was out, I would so – e-
1: If Booker's out, he's an easy play for me in cash okay. games. Um, I think that one's without question. If Booker – plays I think he's actually still interesting to, for me in cash games like I, I think that this right. again like I just think this this move to a new team the team that has no incentive to try to win or just do whatever he's just a new guy they for some reason they, they've wanted to fill this point guard position forever they've not been able to do it I think that I, I honestly think that 35 to 36 minutes could be in the play for him I, I just don't right. there's a reason they went out and got him like I don't really know what the reason would be except for just to play him so I again I I'm willing to be wrong about it. I, I can't imagine he kills you at this price either way. And I do think there's some really legit upside for a guy like him that can create his own shot, that can play at a faster pace. I think you're going to see the assist numbers go up in a way that they haven't really been there in, in the Miami system. So I don't know. I, I'm not like, he's not like my favorite player of all time. I just think this is an interesting, very, I think he's a really good candidate to be an extreme buy low candidate. Like it would, it would I can easily see him be like a $6,000 guard on FanDuel within two games, if, if things shake right for him. So uh, that's kind of just where I land on Johnson. I'm not really interested in the rest of the Suns. I mean, they could get dumpstered here and you have seen starter minutes, big starter minutes, even in games where they've gotten blown out. And I just don't, I think most of the prices on like the Josh Jacksons and DeAndre Eatons of the world have come up to a point where I'm not really willing to do it. All right, like 9.30 game, Minnesota goes in and plays the Pelicans. I'm laughing because man, we, I don't know what we're gonna do with the Pelicans here going forward, but we'll start on the Minnesota side. Uh, Jared Bayless left last night's game with an injury. Teague is injured, still kind of questionable. And Rose, I think, has already been ruled out. I can't remember. There's so many injury designations. Okay, Rose questionable, Bayless questionable, Teague questionable. Uh, it's just too little to know. It's a good matchup here against New Orleans. So New Orleans is still a pretty bad team, at least on defense, and they are getting rid of some guys. Um, it's just is. Do we just have too many question marks here to really understand what's happening with the Timberwolves? Sure sounds like it. I don't... <laughs>
2: Like, How can you offer any sort of real guidance on playing a 9.30 p.m. game? I mean, on dra- again, on DraftKings, maybe, maybe tonight's a night. I don't know. Look, at, This could be an interesting strategic discussion. Tonight might be a night where you want to leave yourself some line of flexibility on DraftKings with the late swap because games like this or the Phoenix game or even the Milwaukee-Dallas game, like a lot of value could open up here. And you'd be crazy to put any of these guys in a lineup if you couldn't eventually move them out, if things didn't right. go the way that you expected, because these are not guys where you're like, you know, like sometimes let's say you're playing Ben Simmons, right? Because you think Embiid's probably going to be out for a 10 o'clock game. If Embiid winds up playing, Simmons is like sort still sort of playable at his current price point, but he turns into like the play of the night if Embiid is actually out, right? Sure. When you're playing like a backup or a fill-in type guy who could just disappear and play 10 minutes, which is what absolutely can happen on Minnesota if you don't happen to be the starter, yeah, you just can't do that for a cash games. So,
1: I'm going to I am not going to be taking that risk tonight for myself. And then the Pelicans are bringing Anthony Davis back tonight. I uh, it seems legit insane to do this. I I don't un- they didn't trade him obviously, and I don't understand like Taking the car out of the driveway when you know you can sell it at peak price in July doesn't. <laughs> I just don't know why you would. I don't know why you would do this. They've come out and said he's going to play limited minutes and he's not, he's going to rest on back to backs, which is basically saying we're trying to lose, but we're tr- do, paying lip service to the guy who's because he wants to play. I mean, I I don't get it at all. I, I, one, it just destroys. It destroys. I mean, I think we can agree here. Does it destroy all value DFS value across the board for the Pelicans at this point because he comes back? even at 30 minutes, he takes away so much of the usage and rebounding from the guys yeah. that are already on the court. And at 30 minutes, or what, I'm guessing at 30 minutes as a limited number, 30 minutes, you're never going to play him at his prices too. This is like, the, it seems like the worst of all worlds from a team perspective, the VFS yeah. perspective. Is that, is that temperature? Am I taking that temperature correctly?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you look at across the board at some of these guys that we've played, Drew Holiday, close to season high prices. Julius Randles, close to season high prices. Darius Miller, he's like 200 off his season high price. And it has been struggling to pay this value anyway. I can't imagine playing any Pelicans, unless we see basically on Davis's
1: night off is when <laughs> night's
2: off is when I'm going to consider Pelicans again. And in the meantime, I'm probably just going to ignore them. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's terrible, and I just again don't know why they're doing it. I guess they just don't want to be the bad guys here. But man, well, just I don't know. Any... I
2: can't feel too bad for Anthony Davis too. Like if you're going to come out and like request a trade and like go through all that sort of thing, like you have to expect that your team is not going to. Then be catering to your wishes and whims, right? Like they just should shouldn't seems... play them all.
1: Send him home. Send him home. I, like I, I don't, don't even play him. What if he tears his ACL? You're done. Like this guy's already this guy's you know a, a strong breeze through the stadium away from getting hurt every single night. Anyway, like I don't know. <laughs> sure. I, I don't really know where. I just I I just don't know why they're gonna do it because it doesn't make any sense. There's no upside to it. This he's at his peak value right now. He can only lose value. Like they're, like what's he gonna do? Play better? Like everyone knows he's the like, top four best players in the league, or something like that. Like I don't know why are, I just yeah, don't You don't it, really I'm need too. to
2: show him off, right? I mean it's kinda funny all, too I don't, because what he has like one more I think he's a free agent in twenty twenty one, so You get one
1: season out of him if you if you trade for him yeah. next year. Like you get you get a full you get a full season of him and with the chance that like, you know, your first you signing
2: him. Exactly. You have a better chance to sign him. But Ah oh, man, it yeah, doesn't make any a, sense. I really tricky. hope
1: he doesn't get injured. I'll actually one one more thing about Davis. I was wondering too how much of the Davis heading to the locker room thing was a Davis thing or a Pelicans thing. Like I wonder if totally. if he just goes to if he goes to a new team if we just see him just go to the locker room less because. I don't know. I, I, I always wonder about this, like team versus player stuff, because it's like I don't know, long the long Pelicans said, like... don't seem to send everyone else to the locker room all the time, do they? Yeah, but or... no, none of the other guys would be Anthony Davis, though. Like that, you know, none of the other mm-hmm. guys are like this, a, a top, you know, one percent commodity in, in the NBA. So I just don't. Yeah, I just always wonder if that's going to be if we just see less Anthony Davis trips going forward once he once he eventually lands in a new team. All right, final game, ten o'clock. Miami goes in and plays Sacramento. I'll uh, we'll start on the Miami side. The aforementioned Tyler Johnson is no longer on the team. They have. No one that I could really identify as a true point guard. I I, Tyler Johnson wasn't even really a true point guard But I feel pretty actually pretty confident in guys like Justice Winslow going forward here Maybe even Josh Richardson, but more specifically Winslow because they're really just they don't don't have any real Traditional guard play. I'll say I'll call it that Um, What do you see where do you see Winslow falling in as a maybe a cash game play here? Good pace against the Kings, who don't play all that good at defense. He's 5,800 on FanDuel. Does that seem like a price you could stomach, knowing that it's the heat and these guys do weird stuff on a nightly basis? I suppose
2: I could stomach it if that looked like it was going to be the best play at the position. I will say um, Winslow's a funny one because he's another guy that's been extremely role-dependent this season. Like when he was flirting with being kind of that off-point guard sort of role. Uh, You were seeing, like, the assist numbers tick up and even the scoring numbers. Uh, Recently, he's been pretty underwhelming, basically, across the board statistically. And has really been having a very difficult time justifying the current price tag. So I could see it. I mean, this is one of those matchups that you can target and kind of get away with. The minutes certainly still seem to be there. But geez, he's a he's a guy that could give you a heart attack. You know, like you finish the first quarter on Winslow and you have 4.2 fantasy points. You're just not feeling amazing, right? So right. I, uh, I, can't, I can't say I would go out of my way to prioritize it. If he did wind up showing up in our optimal lineups, then I think I would just do a quick double check on other options. And I think I could ultimately live with it if that's just what it spat out. I think the inputs are good. And, you know, as long as the minutes were correct and whatnot. But uh,
1: yeah, I, I can't say I would be thrilled about it. Other guys to maybe consider here. Olenek has had entered the starting lineup last game. I did read a tweet, and I got to do better about this because I I like to be able to cite the tweets that I read, and I just don't remember who said it. But there's a contract, there's a contract provision with Olenek where if he reaches a certain amount of minutes, they have to play him, they have to pay him like a million bucks extra or something like that. So there's no incentive Mm -hmm. to play him tons of minutes going forward because I don't know they're just like kind of a bad team, and why bother if you're just not going to make the playoffs or whatever. So while Miami's uh, still playoff hunting, aren't they? Uh, I, the, I mean, they're the bottom of the East. Yeah. I mean, but I, it's just yeah, about, Miami's like, in the playoffs. I don't know. So anyway, like this, I, that was, it was an interesting thing to consider with Olenek. Like, like why would they play him peak minutes going forward? But Hassan Whiteside has us in the old, is this Hassan Whiteside going to play 20, 29 to 31 minutes a game? Because he's done it the last two games, 30 and 31. And obviously all you, all you ever worry about from Whiteside, are the minutes. So he played 30, yeah, 30 and 31 against Portland, Indiana. He went twenty eight and 11 one game and nineteen and thirteen another game. He's coming pretty damn cheap on DraftKings. Uh and this is always the this is always the do I really want to roll Hassan Whiteside Whiteside into a game when I know that their 20 minutes just could be on the table because that's how many he played three games ago and he played like 18 to 4 games ago. Where do you stand on Whiteside? 6800 on DraftKings feels like an insane deal. Only him at 27 minutes right now. He's one of the best points per dollar plays on the board.
2: Yeah, I think he's a good play. Uh, I think, you know, back in that heat discussion, like if, I, if I'm the heat owner, don't you just want answers? Don't you want to just know? Like, you, they've had to have had a meeting with Spolstra and been like, can you just explain to me? I'm sure I'm missing something. Why this guy can't stay on the court for 30 minutes a game? Like, right. what exactly is stopping us here? Because he's very obviously the best player on the heat when he's actually on the floor. And he really produces just sheer volume of stats from points to blocks to rebounds, just on par with any center that we've seen. And, And Miami, you know, he's not cheap at this point either. I just don't, yeah, I just don't understand it. I think you absolutely can play him at that price point on DraftKings. And you're probably still, you're always going to be nervous running him out there because you never know when that 19-minute game is coming around the corner.
1: We don't talk about Yahoo too much, but he's twenty five dollars on Yahoo. They use a the, the different pricing system. That's a that's a lock for me, uh, even with only being on the roster two centers because of the position eligibilities. I mm-hmm. playing him at that price point is a pretty easy call. And then finally, the Kings. They traded for um, excuse me. They traded for Harrison Barnes. I don't know if he's going to make his debut tonight. He's that not. trade happens. He's, he's to, been he's ruled not, out. He's not going to. I gotcha. Okay, so that's going to mean that we're going to probably see Bogdanovich in the starting lineup here tonight. Is that enough to take you know getting rid of. So they got rid of gonna Just kidding. Schumpert to the, 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 news, the
2: news came in. They they did they, they changed what they were saying. Barnes is expected to be available. I have changed my mind. Gotcha. Okay. Of, or, so I, I originally read we, that he was not, and now
1: he is. Yeah. So this has been a weird uh, one. I'm not sure if he. I guess he takes the Shumpert position in the starting lineup. Though I wouldn't be shocked if they just moved Bijalika to the bench and just started Bogdanovich at the three, and then mm-hmm. played Barnes at the four. I I think the the, the biggest loser here is Bijalika. I think um, he is probably going to see his minutes really dumpster sure. they did they, they've struggled with this position they've wanted to have this like kind of combo wing that could guard Schumpert was always a little too small but usually always a little too slow so I think Barnes That that's exactly why they kind of went for it with Barnes here I think he've he kind of combines those two guys in a way that they can then move Bogdanovich to the starting lineup and one do you agree with that and then B do you do we need to take a wait-and-see approach on this team now? Because they are they could just be fundamentally different with, with their minutes and rotations.
2: Oh, yeah, I think you if if Barnes really is going to play here, you have to take a wait-and-see. Uh, Barnes, you know, he's a guy throughout his career who's been a 34, 35-minute-a-game player, and that would really disrupt things in Sacramento. I mean, both in the guys uh, Bogdanovich and Bijelika that you talked about, potentially also Marvin Bagley, who, you know, gets those kind of erratic bench minutes already. You could see him go from what looks to be a 28-ish minute rotation to like 24-minute. And for a guy who really depends on that point-per-minute production, uh, you could see his production tail off too. So, yeah, I, final game on the slate. I certainly want to wait for news. And even then, I can probably just, again, in a bad matchup with Miami, I feel like, again, I don't need to force it. So I am going to keep monitoring this team and see. But I think Barnes, the introduction of Barnes into Sacramento – Certainly doesn't seem to help anyone's value Uh, because Shumpert, not only Shumpert, I mean, he plays erratic minutes, but Shumpert does nothing offensively. He doesn't take any shots from anyone and Barnes, anyone basically in the league instead of Shumpert is going to take more shots than he is. And uh, Barnes should be no exception there. So, yeah, not not super enthused about this from a DFS perspective for the Kings.
1: Yeah, I love it from a real basketball standpoint. I think that, that sure. this makes them, this puts them in definitely in the playoff contention, and they're going to really make a run at this. I, the final thing with Barnes, I, I my prediction was that we saw the usage downgrade for him, but the rebounds tick back up for him. Like the rebounds had not really been there for him in the Dallas situation. Sure. Um, I do think at a, at a faster pace of play and just a slightly different role, I think that you're going to see those rebounds tick back up for Barnes, but the shots are going to go down. Yeah, All right, it's kind of crazy
2: actually. Like the Clippers, the Clippers getting rid of Harris while they have the eighth seed is kind of like a it's just a kind of a weird precedent in my mind like i don't think we talked about the basketball implications for them because in your mind you're like yeah they're the clippers this team's four games above 500 and they just traded away their best player uh for basically the future and uh the kings are the next team they're the heir apparent to that eighth seed so uh this it's gonna be, be kings lakers and the lakers yeah exactly
1: oh man it's gonna be interesting this it's gonna be really it's gonna it's gonna be close this king's team is improved and they are clearly want to make the playoffs i i think that's gonna be one of the running subtexts for the rest of the season is the Lakers. You know, they, they win on the buzzer beater last night for Rondo. It actually ends up being a very big win for them beating the Celtics. And so, they, you know, right now they're basically, yeah Lakers are one back in the loss column right now to the Kings. And the Kings, you have to just think, got better by, I don't know, a win over the rest of the course of the season, something like that. Now, they have they both have negative point differentials. It's going to be one of the interesting things. And Clippers, yeah, Clippers lost last night, I don't and they're not going to be incentivized. I don't think they keep winning going forward. All right, we're going to get out of here. DFSR.com slash nba or com slash nba we'll get you a free trial to the projection system we've been mentioning throughout the podcast so go check that out you can get a free trial on it you can test it out optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings nba and yahoo nba uh lineups for nhl as well premium chat room for our members where we're in there discussing stuff pretty much all day and then definitely leading into lineup lock each night when you're trying to make those edge decisions around your lineup so go check it out dfsr.com slash nba buddy enjoy your friday night in basketball and we'll be on our twitch stream later so go check that out twitch.tv slash dfsr podcast so um we'll be on there tonight discussing friday's basketball action buddy enjoy your friday night in the nba peace
0: Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025 select styles only.
2: If hearing your call is important to us
1: makes you feel, <laughs> stop waiting, choose WEA Trust, where you'll talk to a real person every time. Put your trust in WEA Trust, offering health insurance for state and public
2: employees.